welcome to today's wisdom workout. I'm your host, Daniel Sullivan, and today I'm going to be talking about depression. Now, I have some rather controversial opinions on a lot of issues, and one of them is depression. Now, uh, I have quite an extensive history with depression, uh, both personal and uh, with other people in my life and in uh, my coaching practice, uh, working with clients. And I've noticed some pretty consistent patterns over the years. And I wanted to talk about it because it's pretty close close to, you know, the belt for me close to my heart. And um, I know quite a lot of people struggle with this. And I know quite a lot of individuals who struggle with this. And I have struggled with it to myself. Um, now, with my own personal stuff, I my struggle with depression was very severe. And obviously, there are different um, sort of degrees to which, you know, depression, uh, feels and or controls, uh, your life. And everyone to some degree experiences, you know, episodes of depression. Now, whether how severe or how mild is dependent upon the person, the situation, etc. Um, but I just wanted to open with that because, I wanted to give you some sort of background on where my perspective is coming from. And I'm not really trying to convince you of anything. I am just trying to provide an alternate perspective that may help you with your issues. If you have issues with depression, I'm guessing if you clicked on this particular podcast, um, you either have some experience with it yourself and or someone you care about. So uh, just hope I'm recording this to really provide perspective and hope that it helps you and or someone Um, to dive into it. I think that the classification of depression is extremely important. Um, You know, it's part of sort of the human psychology or the human psyche, like the need to sort of pattern and categorize different things and labeling specific things is part of that sort of innate human pattern. So typically we take something and we will label it, categorize it so that way we can sort of put it in a container that makes more sense. And we have labeled, as a culture, we have labeled depression as a mental illness. Now, I inherently and very strongly disagree with this classification. Um, I believe that illnesses and the perception of the definition of illnesses is something that is induced from an external stimulus and we have little to no control over. So you think about an illness as the flu or the cold and you can't, I mean, you can sort of take preemptive measures of, you know, the bacteria in your life and making sure you live in a clean environment and you have decent hygiene, but you can only control it to a specific degree, right? And typically an illness has some sort of external solution as well because it is an external problem there is an external solution and so you take a pill or some medicine or you know eat some soup and get some sleep things like that and typically they are at least moderately effective obviously depending on what illness and what solution but 
typically an external problem requires an external solution. And that's really what an illness is. It's a, it is a problem created by an external stimulus that um, needs some sort of external stimuli to fix. Now, depression is not that at all. Depression is an internal problem, right? And to fix an internal problem, you need an internal solution. And I want to I wanna sort of get on to the importance of this rather than focusing for a longer period of time about the specific classification. But what I'm leading to is that I believe that depression should not be considered a mental illness. I believe that depression should be considered a behavioral addiction. Now, the reason I use the word addiction, and it's a pretty powerful addiction, is because there are actually a lot of things uh, in the human psyche and in the human biology that um, essentially enables depression. And depression sort of historically and or through an evolutionary biology perspective, depression is actually a very important um, state. It's a very important uh, aspect to sort of human survivability. And and I'll kind of go into this a little bit later. Um, but specifically in terms of the, the classification, right, it is a behavioral addiction because it is something that it is a pattern that is created and reinforced internally through um, language, through behavior, through feeling, through emotion, right? And so it's a it's a behavior, right? And then it's an addiction because the it's a self fulfilling prophecy. It's a pattern that reinforces itself. Um, so, and this classification is very important because if you see something as an illness, right? You automatically assume that you don't have internal control of it because an, an illness is something caused externally. Whereas a behavioral addiction is something that you can solve that you have control over um, because it's something that requires an internal solution. It's something that you've created, the problem you've created, and it's a problem that you can get out of. Now, the reason I started with the classification of depression and why it's so important is because in order to escape depression, in my experience and in the experience of the people that I work with, right, the number one thing is actually recognizing that you have control, right? And right, like if you're if you're talking about to an alcoholic, right, who's in a 12-step program, you ask him, what's the first thing to healing an addiction? It's admitting you have a problem, right? It's it's recognizing the fact that you have caused the problem. And in that same token, by recognizing that you've caused the problem, right, you also recognize that you are the solution, right? So that's, that's the first thing. So that's why the classification matters because you have to recognize that you can control what is going on in your life. You can control your behavior. You can control your perspective. You can control your, the psychology around what you're doing. Now, am I saying that you can permanently never have a bad day again? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the suffering caused by depression can be alleviated through a new perspective and a reinforcement of that new pattern. Um, it's like creating a new habit. And this is really, really important because we rely so, as a culture, we rely so heavy on pharmacology, on prescription medicine. And a lot of the times, you know, I wouldn't say a lot of times, prescription medicine can be good. Um, but in specific 
instant in many specific instances it's more detrimental than it is good because we're trying to find some solution and you know you know it might alleviate some symptoms around that solution but then cause 10 other problems um i think it's some crazy statistic now don't quote me on this look it up for yourself don't believe me until you research it but there's some crazy statistic like 95 percent of all uh, mass shootings the person who did the mass shooting was on some sort of ssri right like a serotonin um inhibitor and uh that's insane right like and you know antidepressants one of the number one uh uh side effects is you know suicidal <laughs> like suicide it's like what the fuck you know you're you're trying to help somebody not be depressed and then you give them something that has a side effect of causing suicide and or worsening suicidal thoughts so it's pretty in- ludicrous it's insane and so okay so i've sort of gone over the classification and why it's important now let's talk about the cause right in my experience very simply the cause of depression is a chronic um i was gonna say unfulfillment but it's a chronic lack of meeting somebody's human needs like their own human needs now human needs have been extensively studied by many psychologists um sort of the paradigm that i like the most is something that Tony Robbins teaches, and I, I don't know if he created it himself or just the language he uses specifically something that he compiled, but essentially there's six human needs, right? Everyone has to have some, and there's there's needs of, you know, the, the psyche and then the needs of the spirit, right? So everyone has needs for uh, certainty, right? Some need, some level of desire for security, right? But if you knew everything that was always going to happen, if you were certain about everything that was going to ever happen in your life, you would be incredibly bored, right? So you also need some level of uncertainty. So you have certainty, uncertainty, everyone needs some level of significance, they need to feel important somehow, whether it's what they're doing in the work or, um, you know, uh, stuff like that. And then the fourth one is love and connection, right? And a lot of these have overlap, of course, um, and I'll get to that in a second, but those are the needs of the, the person, the needs of the psyche. Now, the needs of the spirit, as uh, Tony calls them, is um, growth and contribution. Growth and contribution are the needs of the spirit because, um, you know, if you're not, growth is because if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And contribution is if, you know, you aren't contributing anything, if you're not contributing any value to society, what are you doing with your life, basically? Um, so you have, again, certainty, uncertainty, okay? Then you have love and connection and significance. So those are the four. And then you have growth and contribution. Now, what I propose is that depression, right? The state of being of depression, the behavioral addiction of depression is caused by not meeting fully your human needs. Now, everyone has a different... Um, sort of layer of what's important to them in terms of their human needs. Some people value security more than a variety. Some, you know, some people are much more of a, you know, nine to five, own a home than adrenaline junkie, go to Fiji and skydive uh, in Dubai. And, you know, everyone has different sort of values in terms of what's important to them, but everyone has these sort of base needs. And typically, right, what in my experience and what I've seen in myself and in other people, when somebody is depressed, it is because they are not meeting their human needs. And typically it's the ones that are the most prioritized in their life. Now, depending on 
the life that you've led, depending on your experiences, right? People are going to value different needs differently. And for me, and you can change these, by the way, uh, and you can change them through sort of a self-aware process of shifting what's important to you by understanding why it's important to you in the first place and then shifting why something else is, I'll give you an example, shifting why you want something else to be important, right? So for me, my two dominant human needs when I was depressed all the time and I wasn't just, you know, you know, there's a whole bunch of different classifications of depression, but I was suicidally depressed for a very long time. I was chronically depressed and my human needs during that time were both certainty and significance, you know, and those are kind of not kind of those. That's the worst, um, combination. And the reason it's the worst combination is because if you're valuing certainty and significance over everything else, right, you have to be certain that you are significant. And if there are telltale signs in your life that you're not significant, you are constantly depressed. And this is where sort of like delusions of grandeur and things like that tend to come into play is if you are, if you're, if your human needs are only valuing certainty and significance right? You believe that you have to be a rock star. You believe that you have to be an A-list celebrity. You you believe you have to be a billionaire. Otherwise, you have no inherent value as a human being, right? And you're certain about that. You are 100% certain that you have zero value as a human being unless you are la creme de la creme, right? Now, that is why that is so dangerous. Now, there are healthier ways to value significance and certainty, of course, right? Like if you have children, valuing significance, or sorry, oh yeah, valuing significance, right? You are, you know, especially if they're young children, you are the most significant person in those children's lives, you know? And if you, if you're certainty oriented and you have kids, right, you want to provide a very sturdy foundation, a very high level of security for your children. Now, that's a very positive um, way to go about those human needs, right? But we're not talking about, you know, happy fulfillment people, ha- happily fulfilled people. We are talking about hyper depressed people. So typically hyper depressed people are living in a vicious cycle, right? Um, and there's two sort of cycles, right? There's a virtuous cycle, which is an upward spiral. And then you have a vicious cycle, which is a downward spiral. People who are depressed are stuck in a downward vicious cycle that they don't know how to get out of and they're constantly reinforcing the pattern of not being good enough and that continues their spiral downward. Now, this is important because once you realize that, again, you have control, which is why I prefaced this whole conversation with you have to change the categorization of depression. Once you realize that you have control, Right, you can take a step back and be like, oh, this is just a behavioral pattern that I have allowed myself to get trapped into and I can change it. Now it takes time, right? If you've if you've dug yourself into, you know, a mile deep hole, you know, it's gonna take a while for you to get out. Now, not always, but in most cases it will take a while to get out, right? You know, using that analogy, <laughs> if you installed an elevator, right, you could very quickly get out. But if you had to like redig your way out of a mile long hole right? You're going to have to dig a lot upward, um, you know, dig your way out. So, um, I hope these metaphors kind of help give more perspective on what I'm saying. That's the only reason I'm sharing sort of these ludicrous, um, analogies and metaphors. Um, so 
Yeah, so I talked about the classification, right, and why that's important. I talked about the cause. Now, I guess I didn't talk about the root cause, right? I just sort of talked about the patterns. Um, Typically, what I've noticed is that when somebody is majorly depressed, there was something that happened in their lives that started the downward spiral. Now, there's many different things that it could have been. There could have been a some sort of childhood trauma, right? There could have been some sort of lack of attention, which you could classify as a, a childhood trauma, but I would say it is slightly different and different enough that um, it's worth mentioning that they're two different things. And also, you know, childhood trauma could be, you know, sexual abuse, childhood trauma could be, um, uh, you know, verbal abuse, like physical abuse, um, a lot of things. And, you know, uh, a lack of attention is not necessarily, uh, it's maybe a form of abuse. Anyways, so there's, there's a lot of things that can happen to somebody that sort of cause a negative downward energetic and or psychological spiral. And for everyone is different, right? I'll give you the, the example in my life. Um, I had two sort of very potent stimuluses that created a, a very strong polarity in a, in a uh, bad way um, when I was very, very young. Um, and I, 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 a huge part of this is forgiveness, which is like one of my wife, one of my first podcast podcasts is forgiveness, right? Cause to like, everyone has trauma. Okay. Like even those like billionaire, rich kid, trust fund babies that, you know, think like, you know, they're the lucky sperm club or whatever they have problems too. Okay. You know, and you say their problems aren't as big as my problems, whatever. Like you're just, you're classifying your significance based on some bullshit that is out of your control right? So you're valuing significance and you're saying my trauma, my pain, my experience is worse than that person's because da, 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 because they have money, right? In anyways, I could do a whole nother podcast on that one. I probably will. But anyways, so you are trapped in a sort of mind frame and typically there is a seed. I have to go back and find the seed now. And that's how I started healing from my depression. I didn't use psychiatrics or anything like that. I uh, did sort of healing modalities to go back into my past and, uh, you know, heal childhood trauma and repattern my mind, recondition my mind to have new avenues, right? Like there's people who always get fucking angry no matter what, you know, it's because they have conditioned their mind to a specific stimulus causes them to be angry. And then there's somebody else who has the same exact stimulus and they don't get angry. You know, they get calm and it's because they've conditioned themselves differently. You know, depression is a conditioned pattern, right? You know, you see a girl that you like, you get depressed because you associate seeing a girl that you like with rejection and the fact that you're not good enough, right? You, you know, you have a test coming up, you get depressed because you don't think you're good enough to pass the test. You know, you see a car because you get depressed because your mom died in a car crash, whatever it is, right? I'm just giving examples and maybe they're ludicrous examples, right? Um, and once you pattern, you can pattern more and more stimuluses together. So eventually everything you see makes you feel depressed, right? Uh, for me specifically, one of them was going to school. Um, so I would get depressed every time that I would see school, go to school, talk to a teacher, do a homework assignment, which was essentially my entire life growing up, right? Cause all kids go through school. It wasn't even necessarily that school was bad. It was that my perspective of it was negative. And so every time, so that's besides the point. Um, so what I'm trying to get at here is again, going back to my example, when I was very young, right? Again, forgiveness is key. But when I was very young, um, I had an experience where I was, um, I wasn't intentionally abandoned, but 
I was lost in a crowd and it took a few hours for me to be found again. And so my, my dad, we were on a ski trip together and he lost me. And then the next thing I remember is hiding in a closet and my parents were screaming at each other. So that's by far not the most traumatic childhood experience, but when you're four years old, you have no perspective, no frame of reference for what trauma is. So anything that happens to you that is traumatic, right, is framed as like the worst thing ever. So that's, that's, that was the one, you know, one, one, two punch. That was the first punch. So I had this innate conditioned fear of being left, being abandoned. And then, um, uh, sorry, I got that backwards. A fear of being alone. So that one is the fear of being alone. And then when I was 11, my mom divorced my dad. And then that's when the fear of being abandoned, fear of being left came in. So I, at the same time had the fear of, and they actually kind of both are the same, like, you know, um, one being alone, one being left, right? Like when I was lost, right? You could say that that was being abandoned, that was being left and, or that was also being alone. And then when my mom divorced my dad, you could say the exact same thing. Anyways, my point is, is that those are sort of opposing narratives that run the same cycle. So if you are both afraid of being abandoned and afraid of being alone, right? If you're afraid of being alone, okay, I got cut off real quick right there. Um, if, if you are afraid of being alone, right? Naturally, there's a solution to that. You go out and you hang out with more people, um, and you make more friends and stuff like that. But if you're also constantly afraid of being abandoned, you don't want to make friends, right? Because you're afraid they're always going to leave you. So you're kind of in this one, two punch situation that I was in. So I, at the same time, didn't want to go out and make new friends and hang out with people because I was afraid of them abandoning me. But I also at the same time, didn't want to be alone. So no matter what I did, whether I was with people or not with people trying to meet new friends or not trying to meet new friends, I was always in a pain state um, because I had conditioned myself to experience pain whenever either of these things come up. And because they're so broad, so general, basically everything that I did right, was going to cause a pain state. And that's what depression is. Depression is a pain state, right, that is conditioned over time to create a behavioral pattern. And then you become attached to that that identity, and then it becomes addictive. Um, That's why I say behavior is not a mental illness, it is a behavioral addiction, right? Because the number one need, I, I went over the six human needs earlier, but the number one need over all of that is the what is to remain consistent with one's identity, of themselves. That's actually like the number one need because that's kind of like the overarching need. It's over everything. Um, right. That's the need of the ego. Right. Um, and so that's why a lot of this is really hard to change. If you identify yourself as a depressed person, you're going to stay depressed because you have identified yourself as depressed. So again, let's go to the solutions because solutions are important. In order to solve this, you have to first understand that you have control. And once you recognize that you have control, you have to somehow break out of the pattern. Then after you break out of the pattern, you have to decide what your new pattern is going to be, which is shifting your human needs. And then you have to decide why. So that way you can create a positive cycle around the new shift. And then you have to reinforce that. Now, You can do this in in an instant or you can do this in 10 years of therapy. I prefer to do it in an instant, but in order to do it in an instant, you have to have a very powerful emotional stimulus. And this is why 
life, uh, near death experiences are so powerful because they're highly emotional experiences that motivate one to change, but you don't have to have a, a near death experience in order to change. You can do it right now in an instant. You just have to decide, right? And recognize that you have control. You have to decide that you're going to change and change. It's really as simple as that. Now, I hope this helped. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at any time. My Instagram is at Daniel Sullivan. And yeah, have a great day. Can't wait to hear from you.